Most of us are having a hard time being happy right now, and it can feel like that's largely out of our control. But as my guest Dr. Happy says, we shouldn't rule out happiness, even with the odds against us. Dr. Tim Sharp is the man in positive psychology. He's got a PhD and is the chief happiness officer of the Happiness Institute, which he founded. Most of us wouldn't have had an opportunity like this where we've had multiple weeks, possibly even months, to really reflect on the way we live our lives. That makes him an internationally sought-after authority when it comes to understanding and talking about happiness. He's written well-known books on the subject, including Habits for Happiness. Basically, it doesn't get more happy than this guy. But as he tells it, even he gets depressed. We're not genetically made up to cope with uncertainty. In fact, uncertainty um, creates stress and anxiety. Dr. Happy might just have the prescription for your woes as you navigate this weird and troubling time, or if not a remedy, at least some reassurance and practical advice to lighten the load. Welcome to Young Blood, a podcast all about young men's health. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our mission to talk about the stuff that matters and isn't talked about enough. Let's do it. So Tim, obviously this pandemic's brought about a litany of fears, and emotions and obstacles that we weren't expecting. What impact are you seeing that have on individuals and organisations? Well, look, the most obvious one is anxiety, worry, stress, I suppose. And for good reason. (laughs) We've uh, undergone changes to our lives like none of us have ever experienced before. So obviously that would differ from person to person, but in some way or other, everyone has been affected and in some cases massively affected. Uh, job losses or job insecurity, financial strain, uh, worry about health or worry about loved one's health. Um, And then just, again, the worry about the uncertainty. So I guess what, uh, you know, the most obvious impact is a a pretty significant increase in those uh, so-called negative emotions of worry, stress, anxiety, and even um, sadness and loss. Um, You know, we've all uh, had to miss out on things. And so in some ways there's a grieving process as well. And would you say that no one's having the same experience? Uh, well, yes and no. I think there's, look, as I said, those general factors are, are pretty much affecting all of us. Um, but, yeah, look, I, but I would say uh, we're all different. Uh, and like any, uh, like any stressor, um, any challenge, any type of adversity, and this is just another in a long line of <laughs> challenges that we all face in our lives, I suppose, uh, we all do deal with it differently. So we're definitely seeing, um, and just you know, in my conversations with numbers of people, some people who are being hit harder than others for different reasons, some people who are maybe even enjoying this more than others for different reasons. So, yeah, there's definitely a a broad range when it comes to the impact it's having on people's lives. What does uncertainty and fear of the unknown do to our minds? Yeah, look, a good question because, to be honest, um, having had lots of conversations over the last few weeks, I really think that's the biggest thing at the moment. We've, um, you know, we, we've dealt with stress and anxiety before. Many of us kind of know how to deal with stress and anxiety. We've, most of us sort of have at least some rudimentary skills in that area, even if maybe we could get better. Um, but the, the, the bottom line is that for a variety of reasons, we're not genetically made up to cope with uncertainty. In fact, uncertainty creates stress and anxiety. So it's, it's, um, it, this is possibly the most uncertain situation that many of us have experienced in our lives. Certainly, I think it is for me um, at, at this level. So, um, uh, you, you know, there, there's, um, there's a lot of ways that that can affect us. The most obvious is anxiety. 
when we get anxious, that has all sorts of effects on our physical well-being. I mean, it creates you know that flight flight response, which can uh, which can can cause a lot of tiredness and exhaustion. Some people are you know not sure why they're feeling tired all the time, and that's just because our adrenaline's going non-stop almost more than more than ever. But also again, psychologically, that whole range of emotions that. Uh, can affect us, and then that can roll on to our relationships and, and other parts of our lives as well. But I guess the good news is there are things we can do about, and and, and what I've been trying to encourage people is to to think about this as a uh, as a great opportunity in a sense. If we look for the silver lining to the cloud, this is a great opportunity to try to get better at coping with uncertainty, to try to get better at dealing with anxiety, because um, whether we realise it or not, life is always uncertain. <laughs> We sometimes trick ourselves into thinking it's not, um, but we're never really completely in control. Uh, we never really know exactly what's going to happen, and this is just an extreme version of what's happening all the time, anyway. Really, that's a good point because it's not like it's the first time that things have been uncertain, and the idea that we have certainty is sort of a an illusion, anyway. It's just that this is, like you said, such an extreme example. That's uh, affecting everyone at the same time in a way that hasn't happened before and that's what is overwhelming about it um, in many ways and I suppose that that fight or flight response and that sense of anxiety that is a neurological response that's designed to get us out of danger and help us survive but it's not meant to last for weeks and weeks and weeks and what's the impact on our health when that response uh, is constant and we we can't let that anxiety go. Yeah, I think you, you hit on a really good point that although, as, as I said, uncertainty and anxiety uh, are pretty normal parts of life, but what, what is different here, as you said, is the, the duration. I mean, we're looking at, <clears throat> I guess most of us have been um, in isolation or, or facing these changes for at least sort of four weeks, if not longer. And there's a good chance that it'll go on for, well, we don't know how long it's going to go on for, but exactly. uh, in some way or other, it will likely continue for another few months Um Maybe some of those restrictions will ease, but um, then there will almost certainly be an impact on our lives for uh, for quite some time. Um, and the other aspect, as I said, is not just the duration, but the fact that it's affecting so many people. I guess normally when we go through a difficult situation, it's either just us or maybe just our family or maybe just our team or workplace. That's right. You can get a break from it somewhere generally, or you can go out from your home or uh, talk to someone else and, and they're not going through that, perhaps they're having a positive experience that they share. But when it's everyone going through something negative all together, there's kind of a, a beauty in it in a sort of a grim way, but it's it's very intense all the time. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, although the flip side of that is um, I think, you know, that's one of the things we need to try and do to cope is to try and find ways to take a break from it. And really one of the things, again, I've been talking to lots of people about this, the basic principles of self-care the basic principles of looking after ourselves haven't really changed. Um, in fact, they're really the same sort of thing. So all the sorts of things that we would normally do, all the sorts of things we've done in the past, all the sorts of things that all the textbooks and self-help books tell us are still very relevant. Uh, what we just need to do is find a way to tweak them or twist them or, or, or you know, adapt them to suit our, our circumstances. And I guess one of the most obvious ones uh, which a lot of people have been talking about, uh, is exercise, for example. And um, I'll, just, I'll just use this because it's a nice, simple, tangible example. But we know, you know, we know that exercise is fantastic for our health and well-being, and not just our physical health, but our mental health as well. Um, so, you know, it's for, for decades and decades, um, uh, mental health experts and well-being experts have recommended exercise. Now, 
that hasn't changed. Uh, what has changed is that the gyms have closed down. So I, I used to go to the gym every day pretty much. Same. And when they <laughs> shut down, um, to be honest, I was concerned about that because uh, not so much from a fit, well, partly from a physical point of view, I didn't want to lose my gains, but more so for me <laughs> um, from a mental point of view. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I totally agree with you on that one. I've also trained pretty much every day um, through my adult life and that's a, a major issue for myself and and for lots of young people that I know who are perhaps most concerned about that over everything. And I think that is because they know that that is such a cornerstone of their mental health mm -hmm. as well. So I was very lucky because I got to get some gym equipment organized that I've got at my house so I can sort of survive uh, through the well, winter. Well, that's what I would say to people. I mean, I'd, I'd say, look, it's, it's just as important as ever to exercise, but what we need to do is adapt. So, I mean, obviously the gyms are closed down. I I didn't want to necessarily, um, you know, I didn't go out and buy a lot of equipment. I did buy some of those uh, resistance bands. That's basically the only thing I bought because um, I worked out, I, I searched online and talked to a couple of friends and got a whole lot of no equipment body weight exercises. And there's a lot of, so I've shifted from more of a strength-based routine to yeah. a heat-based routine, which I'm kind of enjoying, to be honest, a bit of a variety. Yeah. Um, but that's what we need to do. So th there are so many ways you can still exercise. If you just go online and search for, Home, um, you know, home workouts or no, no equipment workouts or even just start running a bit more if you mm. rather than the gym. Um, but whatever it is, um, there are ways you can do it. And, and it's important to find those ways um, just as it is with, with all the other uh, self-care um, or, or, you know, nurturing strategies that we might have previously used as well. Yeah, it's a time that we have to adapt and humans notoriously don't like change and are uncomfortable with change. Is there a temptation there? when our uh, normality gets taken away and we used to go to the gym and we used to think in a certain positive way and then what we're used to is taken away, is there a temptation to collapse and say and be defeated by it and say, oh, well, I'm not going to adapt because it's all too much, so I'm just going to be static? Is, is that a possibility for some people too? Oh, for sure. And, um, and look, you know, to some extent, that's how I felt in the first few weeks. I mean, the first few weeks, like a lot of people, it was – was kind of overwhelming and you know we didn't know what the hell was going on didn't know what to do didn't um so you know i, I must admit there were days uh, i mean i had my ups and downs but there were certainly days in those first few weeks when i just kind of curled up in the corner and thought what the hell you know what are we doing what, yeah. How can we go? yeah and you're but dr happy we, yeah yeah but uh, i'm still a human yeah absolutely <laughs> um, that's the point and, and i think that's so that's, that's another important point so it's it's it, there's never been a better time that um, cliche that it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Um, I think we need to all allow ourselves. I think everyone at some point, some more than others, have had days like that. Thankfully, um, you know, I've been. It's been a lot easier in the sort of latter part than the last week or two, because I've got more used to it, like most of us have. But um, but yeah, we, we need to allow ourselves and accept that we're going to have days or moments uh, when we feel crappy, when we feel anxious, when we feel overwhelmed. That's fine. But at the same time, um, as you said, we, we've kind of got a choice. We, we might not have chosen to be in this situation. We didn't choose for, you know, coronavirus to come and smack us over the back of the head. Um, but what we can choose is how we respond to it. Um, and as you said, we, we, can, we can curl up in a corner in a sense and just kind of give up. Or we can start to ask ourselves, well, what can I do about this? What can I control? And I guess this is one of the keys to, to coping well at the moment is to focus more on those things you can control and to try to worry a bit less on those things that you can't control. So again, I, I can't control the gym's closing, but I can control finding other ways to exercise. Um, I can't control certain aspects of my work that I've lost, but there are other aspects of work that I can fill that up with or at least to some extent. 
Um, so that's really, you know, and, and again, like any situation where we're struggling with uh, change, as I said, uh, we, can, we can just sit back and feel hopeless and helpless or we can look for the opportunity in it. And, and I don't want to discount or diminish the severity or the significance of the challenges that many people are facing, but I do want to encourage people to think, again, what is the opportunity in this? What can we learn about ourselves, about the work we're doing, about our lives? At our relationships even, um, and how can we not just use those lessons to survive the next few weeks or months, but how can we even use that to thrive? I, I think this is an opportunity for many of us to reassess our lives, to, to look at how we can make them even better in the longer term. Yeah, absolutely, and we've got to focus on what we can do, not what we can't do, and what we do have and not what we don't have. Um, one tweet that's been circulating sort of on this uh, topic that's been a bit controversial, says something along the lines of if you don't come out of this with either a new skill, getting your side hustle started or more, more knowledge, then you didn't lack the time, you'd lack the discipline. And that's caught quite a bit of backfire from people saying, well, you know, you shouldn't be heaping this sort of pseudo motivation on people during a crisis or a pandemic where, you know, some people, especially with pre-existing mental health conditions or just any any given person are struggling just to get through the day and are faced with all these feelings and emotions. They don't need it to turn into some sort of contest of who can who can get the most out of this this time. What do you think of, of that? Yeah, uh, look, it's a, <laughs> it's a really interesting one. It's a really good question. Um, look, I, I think um, we can look at it both ways. I don't think they need to be um, mutually exclusive. I do think, on the one hand, that many of us will have an opportunity now to reassess, reevaluate, and even to improve our lives. Um, and if you can do that, fantastic. But as you said, there'll be a lot of people for whom just getting through the day is a challenge. Um, and I guess we've each, all of us, have to do the best we can. If you, if getting through the day is an achievement, then fantastic. Good on you. Give yourself a pat on the back for for getting up, for having a shower, for making your bed, whatever it might be. Yeah. But if you can do a bit more, then great. Um, so, yeah, look, it is a tricky one because we don't want to make it a competition. We don't want to say, you know, I'm better than you because I learned French today or whatever it might be. That doesn't necessarily help. Yeah. But we also don't want to waste the opportunity if we can make something of it. So, mm. look, again, it, it's kind of, it will vary from person to person. If you're if, if doing the best you can is getting up and just making something great today, then that's all you can do. But again, if you can do a bit more, you can do a bit better. If you can learn something, then um, then fantastic. Yeah, it feels like we we need to toe the line between soothing ourselves and sort of letting everything go and, and falling into meaninglessness because that can be sort of a, a dangerous knife's edge to walk on. And I think so. Just at the risk of sort of repeating myself. Um, I think we'll probably all cycle in and out of those different positions, even on a daily or weekly basis. As I said, you know, I've had days when I just, like, you know, it's barely just getting through the basics. Um, and on those days, it's important to practice self-compassion to say, this is okay. I need a, you know, I need a rest day. I just got to, um, you know, I already can't do much today. That's all I can do. But then I've had other days when I said I've actually been excited and motivated. So, um, so that's okay. We've got to ride those waves a bit. Take advantage of the good days when you can, um, but do the best you can to get through the tough days. And what do we know about isolation and well-being and the correlation that those two have? Um, obviously, isolation is a real buzzword and something that just about everyone's had to do. 
and typically that's been associated with some pretty negative things for our mental health. So what's the relation there? Yeah, good, great question. Um, the, the simple answer is that isolation, well, uh, actually, sorry, I'll go back a step. What I differentiate is I differentiate between isolation uh, and loneliness. Um, clearly many of us are more physically isolated than we would otherwise be or that we would choose to be. Yep. Um, I mean, I'm living, I've got my wife and kids, but uh, um, so I'm not completely on my own. And so most people have either family member or partner or maybe housemates. But anyway, that, that's the one thing is to be physically isolated from colleagues, friends, etc. Loneliness is a different thing. You can be isolated and not necessarily feel lonely. And this is what I think is another really important now. Although we need to physically distance, that's not the same as social distancing. Mm. We, need, we can be physically distant and still say socially connected. And that's what we need to do. Even though we can't go to the pub or go to the footy or go and see bands or whatever we used to do, uh, it doesn't mean we can't keep into touch. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you've all heard and been involved in um, Zoom drinks or house party or whatever it is, there's still lots of ways that we can keep in touch. And in fact, we should be because to go back to your question, um, loneliness is a killer. Loneliness is typically associated with high levels of depression, poorer health, physical and mental health. So, so at all costs, we want to avoid being lonely, um, but we don't have to be lonely, even though we might be stuck in our houses alone. So, um, you know, again, I, I'd emphasize um, do all you can to stay in touch through social media, through you know, video conferencing like we're doing now, in a sense, whatever you can do, um, you don't have to let the isolation lead to loneliness necessarily. Although, you know, it might be a bit harder than normal, but with a bit of creativity, again, with some adaptation, we can we can still maintain our relationships and we should. And I think it's really going to show how much we value each other's company and how much we really value that social interaction and yearn for it. And everyone's, one of the hardest things that people are finding is not being able to just go and see their friends in person or just go and hang out. And it just shows that humans haven't changed at all, even with all this technology and, and everything that we have at our fingertips we all the main thing we want to do is just get in a group and dance around a campfire or the equivalent i agree and i suppose this goes to the point i made earlier about how you know i think a lot of people are reassessing reevaluating, uh and really thinking about what their values and priorities are and, and you're 100 right i mean almost everyone i've spoken to uh has mentioned how much they miss their relationships and yet you know if you go back three months or six months were you really prioritising some of those relationships? Were you making time for your friends, for your mates, for your family? Mm. Um, if we're missing these things so much now, what I'd encourage people to do is to make sure that when we go back to normal, that you do prioritise them. You know, that uh, the, the, the core values, the core priorities, the core cornerstones of a, a healthy and happy life are you know, good quality relationships, physical health and wellbeing, meaningful work. And uh, again, I'd encourage people to think about uh, if they didn't have them in their lives previously or if they didn't have as much of them as they like, how can they uh, adapt their, their future life? How can they create a better life in the future that does focus more, that does prioritise those things more than they had in the past? Yeah, and that's going to be the best outcome from all this for sure. I was speaking to someone uh, on the podcast recently who's actually just got out of quarantine. They had coronavirus and were in a hotel room locked away by themselves for three weeks in total in the end uh, and obviously had that social interaction on the phone. But he said that just not having any face-to-face for that long 
really, and he describes himself as an introvert who is a writer as well and doesn't mind his own company, but that basically he went nuts pretty soon uh, from just not seeing anyone. And he was desperate to just be able to talk to someone face to face. And now that he's all better uh, and he can go out in public and order a coffee, he's just ecstatic just to have a, a basic conversation, which I'm sure uh, in an extreme example, like someone who actually gets the coronavirus afterwards, you're not going to forget that for a while. You won't forget uh, knowing how important it is to you to be able to have those interactions and have people in your life, which is a positive out of a terrible yeah. negative. Oh, look, again, it's amazing how, again, I think a lot of us are realising that, um, you know, that happiness uh, often comes from those little things. Um, and I I mean, I had a sort of similar example. I mean, I haven't been locked down like he was in a hotel room, but I've pretty much been sort of locked away with just with my wife in a sense, um, which isn't a bad thing. <laughs> but um, we've been, um, you know, we really haven't, physically seen um many 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 people for last month i've been visiting my old uh, i've got an old mum um so but she's basically the only person i've been visiting but we went for a walk the other week um which we've been trying to do and obviously you're still allowed to do that and we were in a park near where i live and, and we literally walked past or a friend uh, called out um and ended up having a chat to him and his partner um you know for 15 or 20 minutes mm. and it was remarkable it's just something so simple which we would have taken for granted only a month ago just literally just bumping into and chatting to a friend in real life um we walked away and it just felt fantastic like <laughs> it was yeah. just such a such a nice thing that we um you know well I, hopefully i won't take it for granted as much in the future no and inevitably i think we will after time but hopefully there will be some afterglow from this and i'll think that they would have to be um, what about uh, adjusting meaning at this time? We know meaning is a central aspect of human development. And how does a crisis like this change our sense of meaning or where, where we derive it? If where we used to derive it is no longer available to us, how do we, what do we do? Where do we find it? Well, I think uh, you said if, if where we used to find is no longer available, um, I mean, so a lot of those things will come back. Um, you know, most of us, um, whether it's three months or six months or 12 months, I don't know, but, you know, let's just say even in the worst case scenario in 12 months time or so, uh, most of what we, most of the ways we lived our lives will probably be back again. Um, there might be some things that don't ever return to, to the way they were, but I suspect in, you know, and again, the longer term, 12, 18 months, um, you know, cafes are going to open, restaurants are going to open, work's going to go back, sport's going to go back, all those sorts of things. So if, for those people that choose to, there doesn't necessarily need to be any change longer term. Um, however, I think this is an opportunity to think about where you might want change. So uh, when it comes to meaning, uh, meaning of life and purpose in life, uh, I think this is a great opportunity. I mean, there's not many, uh, most of us wouldn't have had an opportunity like this where we've had multiple weeks, possibly even months, to really reflect on the way we live our lives, the way we relate to other people, um, the way we, uh, what we value or don't value, um, the sort of work we do. So, I mean, if you think about all of those things and you think about your life over the last few years uh, and think, well, geez, that was all bloody great, I really want that back again, then fantastic, just return to normal when you can. But if, like, at least some people will think, you know, that, that job I've been in for the last few years, I just didn't really get a lot of satisfaction from it and, Maybe even some of those relationships I've been in, you know, maybe I'm not really missing those people. Um, or now's the opportunity to say, well, um, well what, what would I like to create? Because um, meaning is, this is a, an important point, I think, meaning 
is something we create. It's not, it's not there that we find. Um, you know, there's a bit of a misnomer, I think, that the search for meaning is something that you go on a journey and, and there it is at the end of the long path. Well, I don't, well, I don't believe that. Uh, I think it's something we actively create and something we actively create each and every day. So it's really, it's up to each and every one of us, I think, to use this opportunity if we can. Again, without going, going back to that point, without putting too much pressure on you or making it a competition or anything, but to, to think about, um, you know, what would your ideal life be like in, in 12, 18 months, 24 months? Um, and what can you start to do now? How can you start to maybe make some small changes or uh, implement a few strategies that will help get you a bit closer to that um, once the world starts to kind of open up again? Yeah, and that really resonates with me because I actually quit my job as a result of this uh, virus mm -hmm. and sort of reassessed and find a huge amount of meaning in doing these podcasts and having these conversations uh, and uh, thinking about mental health and men's health so often and the job I was doing I wasn't getting so much meaning out of um, and sort of thought perhaps it wasn't the best <laughs> for my health um, and so that's been part of the adjustment uh, for me. I pretty much moved house on the same day so that's pretty big pretty big changes that have come out of this and actually um, did what you said, thought about, you know, what would my ideal life look like? And I'd, I'd love to do more of this and, and less of what I was doing before. And that is uncertain. And uh, part of the reason that not everyone goes and does those things is because they have less certainty around them and, and um, are harder to pull off. But sort of, yeah, uh, seeing it as an opportunity to, well, why don't you have a bit more of a crack at that? And, and if you think that that'll make you happier, then go towards it and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, then go and do something else. So that's certainly what I've what I've taken out of it as well. That's, well, good on you. Good luck with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. that, that being said, um, I mean, obviously, uh, we've got to be realistic. And for some people, uh, you know, many people, obviously, you know, you've still got to pay bills and still got to pay rent or mortgage or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, I'm not necessarily saying everyone should just up and leave their jobs. Um, Different people will be in different circumstances. Different people will be more or less able to take risks, I suppose. Um, but I think if, you know, most of the people we're talking to are younger, um, most of your audience. Um, and, you know, so when you're younger, I suppose there's, there's a greater opportunity to maybe do some of those things, make some of those changes before, um, before some of those um, more significant responsibilities hit. So, um, but again, we, we've all, and we all have different risk tolerance. So, you know, everyone's got to take that into account. You don't necessarily have to leave your job. Nah. We really have to take those massive risks. There are other ways that we can um, change our lives in smaller ways. And, and I think sometimes we underestimate the, the, the difference that small changes can make. Yeah, and it could be something as little as realising that you didn't go for enough walks with your kid prior or your mm -hmm. partner or you should have played tennis with your girlfriend because that's funny and you never did that before and you want to do that afterwards. Like That can be a positive thing that you maintain. It doesn't have to be anything drastic. But anything that comes out of this time where you get some time to evaluate or introduce a new activity and you enjoy doing that, then maybe keep that afterwards. And if you think, well, something that I'd used to do, which was part of my normal that I didn't actually value that much and doesn't add too much to my life, maybe I'll leave that behind. So it's just an opportunity to do that. Um, and how does the situation impact men, do you think, specifically an idea of what it means to be a man? Does that change at all from going through something like this? Uh, look, to be honest, um, look, it's a good question. I haven't been asked that a lot. Of that. I've, I've done a lot of media interviews and spoken to a lot of people over the last few weeks and 
I haven't really been asked, uh, you know, about gender issues. Um, to be honest, I, I don't think there'd be a massive difference between men and women. Um, you know, we're all just trying to do the best we can. Um, we're all, you know, many people are trying to juggle, um, you know, work with parenting, with, you know, coping, et cetera. Um, however, I guess one thing that did come to mind when you asked that question is that, uh, and I'm always a bit loath, I'll just preface this by saying I'm, I'm kind of loath to make massive generalisations about men are like this and women are like this. And yeah. so I think we're more similar than we realise. But, but there are a few things, certainly the research suggests and my experience suggests that men tend to be uh, not quite as good at reaching out and asking for help um, and tend to be not quite as good at, at, at talking about emotions and, yeah. and, and how they're feeling. So, um, you know, obviously not all men are like that, but um, but now if ever there was a time when we need to talk about how we're feeling, if ever there was a time uh, to reach out and ask for help, it's, it's almost certainly now. So in that respect, um, uh, it might be hitting men harder because it's not something we've historically or typically been very good at. Um, so given that your audience, uh, the people listening are predominantly males, I think, um, you know, what I would definitely encourage them, well, I'll go back to the point I made earlier, it's okay not to be okay. Um, if you're, in fact, what I would say, if you're not feeling at least some level of stress or anxiety at the moment, there's probably something wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. totally normal um, to be feeling a bit again, anxious and afraid or confused or whatever it might be. So, um, but what we also need to remember is that we don't have to cope with that all on our own. Um, uh, you know, we, w there are people out there, uh, whether it's uh, family and friends uh, or professionals, uh, who can and will help us if only we let them. And this is something, you know, I learned this way too late in life probably. I wish I'd sort of got better earlier in my life at, at asking for help. Uh, I have got a bit better at it. Um, but I would encourage all the men out there, and women too, I suppose, but I would certainly encourage all the men to, um, if you're struggling, um, which is okay, um, remember that, again, you're not alone. Um, there are people um, who are ready and willing to offer their help um, if only you'll let them in. Yeah, and so it's so normal to have those feelings. We all we all have them to varying degrees, but it's, it's what do we do with that? So it's okay if I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling lonely or uncertain um but what do i do from here i don't just sit with it and let it get worse you know share it so that it's not just me facing it by myself um so i think yeah that's such an Im important point you've had your own struggles with depression through your life as well how are you going through this and what impact has this had on on your mental health yeah, I have. So, um, yeah, for those who don't know, I've, I've openly um, talked about my, I mean, I've had depression almost uh, pretty much all of my adult life um, and quite severe at times. Um, to be honest, uh, when this first hit, when Corona first hit, um, I was uh, struggling with, with a, a, another completely, completely unrelated uh, issue. So I was actually going through a pretty hard time anyway. Um, so it was, a, it was a very difficult time for me when Corona hit. It was kind of like just a um, well, it was pretty bad actually. So it was, is it, you know, it was like another getting, I was already down. I was like, I was getting smashed again. Yeah. So but to be honest, the first, um, first few days, week, week or two, I can't remember exactly how long was, was pretty hard. Um, but then for a variety of reasons, the other stressor, uh, was alleviated to some extent. Um, Corona sort of, I got a bit better or, you know, got used to sort of dealing with that. And so thankfully the last few weeks have been a lot better, um, I'm uh, I'm feeling a lot better. I'm more on top of things, and I've 
been more able to use my uh, COVID strategies and, and more able to reach out and ask for help um, than I had been in this end of that early period. But as I said, because I was already struggling with another um, quite significant challenge at the time, it was pretty hard going for a while there. Yeah, and you'd be able to really sympathise with a lot of people who would be the same. They would have had some circumstance that was already sort of rocking the world or making things very difficult and then have this dumped on top, uh, which is where that that overwhelmingness can can creep in for lots of people. So that's right. good to hear that you're doing better. Thanks. And, and yeah, so certainly for those people uh, like me who are uh, either prone to or predisposed to depression or, or other people who are predisposed, say, to anxiety, obviously something like this can exaggerate. A, um, or, or as I said, if you were already under um, uh, you know, under some other stressor, um, then this um, can really could have really just exaggerated that. So again, I think it's really important to um, to accept that and acknowledge that and allow yourself to to suffer almost for a while. But then, um, as soon as you're able, and as soon as I was able to to start to use whatever coping strategies you have, um, whatever's worked for you in the past, um, and or to start to reach out and ask for help um, and. Uh, you know, for those that need it. Um, so I, I, my psychologist who I see regularly, we shifted online a few, well, you know, a month or so ago. So we've been having our sessions uh, on Zoom, um, which well, which was actually okay for me because I knew her very well. I've been seeing her for a long time. It wasn't a big issue. It was quite easy. But, but thankfully, um, you know, most psychologists and mental health professionals have started to do something similar. Um, and Medicare rebate has been extended for telehealth sessions, which is great. But there's also a lot of, again, for those that need it, there's some fantastic free resources out there, um, some great websites, including, you know, so Beyond Blue and Are You OK Day and um, uh, Say in Australia, reachout.com.au uh, for younger people. There's some really good stuff available. Um, even if you're not quite ready to talk to someone, just to go and read stuff or join some online forums. Um, uh, again, even then, you don't, you don't have to do it on your own. Yeah, there's no shortage of options. It's just about being open to going and looking for them. Uh, what are some of those coping strategies that you use personally other than speaking to your psychologist? What got you out of sort of that spiral that you were you were in? Uh, well, again, so exercise for me, um, as much as I like and enjoy the, the physical benefits, is just as much a, a, a psychological strategy. I, I find that um, uh, it's fantastic for my mental health. I really do. So so I, I've, um, uh, I, I was quite disciplined to, to continue that, um, which helped. And how do the uh, bands? How do the bands go with uh, keeping the gains? Are they effective? <laughs> uh, well, I've only been using them for the last week or two. It was mainly well, it was interesting. So I've actually I don't want to bore some of those people out there who aren't into exercising, but I've actually I've been really enjoying, and I've had a you know this great personal trainer that I go to the gym and um, and you know. At the risk of oversimplifying, just lifting heavy weights, basically. I've been in that for quite a few years. Yeah. So um, it was quite an interesting change to go to more of a hit style uh, workout. But to be honest, I actually, I'm, I'm actually quite enjoying it. It's, it's different. So I've probably lost some muscle strength, to be honest, but I've probably gained other different type of fitness. Um, and, and again, at the moment, partly because it's novelty, I suppose, but um, I'm really enjoying it, actually. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, if I've maintained everything, <laughs> but, but I've probably I've probably gained in other areas where I've lost in some. So. Yeah, and that's a good way to see. It. Obviously, it hurts our ego anytime we lose any muscle. <laughs> Sometimes, as men, if we're into that sort of thing, uh, but the stuff you're doing with other forms of exercise, I'm sure, like we talked about, emotionally, mentally, taking things that you learn out of the situation, physically, uh, doing some of that, those different forms of exercise, you can then 
put that into what your old routine used to be and, and get better that way as well. So, well, well and I think at a, it, cause I'm guessing not everyone out there is into exercise, so I don't want to bore them, but in a more general point, it's a, it's a good example of how, um, you know, to, to control what you can accept what you can't control. I can't go to the gym anymore. It's bottom line. And I don't have, you know, weight set up at home. Um, so there's really no point worrying about that. Um, uh, what I can do is focus on other forms of exercise. So, and I think that's a good message for any part of your life. If there's nothing you can do about it, um, worry isn't going to change it. Now, I know that's easier said than done. But it's um, a fact. But if, yeah, but if you can, but there's almost always something else you can do about it, some other way you can um, address whatever the situation is. So, um, but in addition to exercise, to go back to your question, um, I also um, I, I meditate on a regular basis, and I found that um, extremely helpful for um, for a long time, actually. So I definitely encourage people. Um, well, if you if you are or have done it or, or do do it, then then great, keep it up. It's a you know, very very good strategy for anxiety and worry. It's a really helpful strategy for mental well being, anyway. Yeah, absolutely um, agree. I've also, in in a strange kind of way, um, in in a, in a weird way, I think it's my wife and I have got closer in a sense that we've been married for a long time now, but you know, we're, we're well, been like stuck in the same place for so long. <laughs> You've had no choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. um, uh, but you know, we've been married for a long, long time. So we, you know, we have a, a pretty good marriage. I'd like to think, um, but like most people, we get caught up in the busyness of life. Um, and you know, I've got a busy, you know, I've had a busy career, I suppose. And, and she's busy with her own things and uh, kids and stuff. But in some ways, the, the slowing down of life, uh, well, I've, I've actually enjoyed that generally, to be honest. So, you know, a little bit less of that rush, rush, busy, busy, busy. Um, but also the sort of slowing down of our lives. Um, uh, and in, in a very practical sense, what that means is we've probably had more conversations, more meaningful, uh, you know, about not just about how I'm feeling, but about how she's feeling, about how the kids. And so in, in some ways, I've utilised that coping strategy more um, for those very reasons, so and talking to other people, um, and in another kind of way, I think I probably um, I, I probably speak to family and friends a bit more than I normally would in yeah. some ways. Yep. Um, I definitely I've got two older parents in a sense, and uh, although I used to speak to them and visit them fairly often, we speak now almost every day, even if it's just for a few minutes. Mm. Um, and even with a with a couple of friends now. Um, Again, because of the busyness of life, we often wouldn't have seen each other for, you know, maybe only every month or a couple of months or something, catching up. But now we're probably messaging or speaking on an even more regular basis. So, uh, again, I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, there are some silver linings to what can seem a pretty cloudy situation at times. And if happiness isn't the goal, uh, what should people aim for at the moment? Well, I think happiness can still be the goal, but to go back to your to that point that we made earlier, really good point. Um, you've really got to start wherever you are. Um, so if you're really struggling, if you're barely getting out of bed, etc., um, then maybe happiness is beyond you. But just you know, maybe just getting through the day, maybe just coping or resilience, whatever you want to call it. Um, if that's the best you can do, then great. You know, just do what you can with whatever you've got from wherever you are. But I do think. Um, I don't think we should lose sight of the benefits or the power of happiness and joy because that um, that's still important um, and we can still enjoy pleasure at the moment. We can still play games. We can still connect with friends and have Zoom parties, whatever it might be. So I would, um, you know, it'll be, it's obviously different, um, not exactly the same by any means, but I would encourage people to very much to still think about 
how they can enjoy life um, under these strange circumstances, how they can still find pleasure and joy and, and happiness because uh, happiness, when it's, when it's done properly, it really is like a superpower. It energises us, it motivates us. Uh, we're more likely to connect with others if we're feeling positive emotions. So, so although it might seem strange and although there's going to be days when it's really tough, uh, I wouldn't rule out happiness and I would definitely uh, encourage people to find it wherever they can in whatever ways they can. I love that saying you wouldn't rule out happiness. That's a great, great quote. And I totally agree with that as well. Well, I was actually doing a session with a with a, a, a group um, just the other week, actually, um, as, and it was a lot of similar stuff to what we've spoken about, coping with the anxiety, et cetera, and, um, and then a, a little bit about how we might still find happiness. And one of the, um, the young women there asked me, said, I, I hope this is okay. I kind of feel a bit guilty, but I'm actually feeling happy. Is, you know, is that okay? Yep. And I think, and it's turned out that there, there are quite a lot of people feeling like that, I think, that, that for a variety of reasons and depending on their circumstances. And again, I don't want to downplay the problems a lot of people are facing, but there are some people for whom this is actually okay and for whom this is you know, the slowing down and stuff can actually, is actually quite pleasant. Um, so I would say, it's, of course, it's okay to be happy. Don't feel guilty about it. Um, use that. Uh, not just to help yourself, but to help other people. Um, you know, so if you are feeling good, if you are feeling strong, if you've got that extra energy, uh, then use it for good. Um, and if you can, you know, not just take care of yourself, but use that to help your loved ones, your family, your friends, uh, even better. And in terms of the world as a whole and how we treat each other uh, and the way that we value what's important and don't forget that. Do you think that, that coronavirus and this crisis is enough of a shock to shake us out of what we were in and if it's enough to make us reevaluate as a global community uh, those, the importance of those things that make us human and in a way that we'll remember it long after this and, and live uh, better lives or, or try to uh, bring more of a focus to those little things in life and those qualities after this is over, or it, will we just go straight back to our, our old ways? What do you think? <laughs> Great question. Um, something I've pondered a lot over the last few weeks. Um, I, I think that's the $64 you know, million dollar question sort of thing, as they say. Uh, I, I think there's a risk. So when I think that, that I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a bit older than most of your audience, um, but even I've never seen anything like this. Um, but the closest thing that I can sort of imagine or compare it to in a way was the global financial crisis, which is, was very different in lots of ways, but in terms of a world shock, mm. um, it certainly had some similarities. And I remember thinking, you know, that, I don't know, it was 10 years, uh, what, 12 years ago, whatever it was. Um, but I remember thinking at the time, and you know, that maybe this will lead to some fundamental changes, some structural changes, not just in the economy, but in... And to be... To be honest, I don't think it did. No. <laughs> to be honest, I think within week, or not so much weeks, probably, but months and certainly a year or two, pretty, I think most people pretty much went back to the sorts of lives they were living, um, give or take. Um, so the, so my, my sort of pessimistic side um, and realistic side, in a sense, suggests that, that, that within, you know, within a year or two, um, the majority of people will probably just go back to living their normal lives for some very good reasons, obvious reasons. However, my optimistic side, my hopeful side, um, is is crossing every finger that it has um, and hoping that people will really learn some significant lessons and make some significant changes. I, I'm really hoping that we will 
I hope that we will at least to some extent come out of this uh, with a greater um, greater realisation of the benefits of community, of, of you know, collectiveness, of, of kindness, of compassion, of love, etc. Uh, I mean, even at a very practical level, you know, there's been a lot of talk um, about how much we're valuing nurses and teachers, and yet, you know, we've known for ages they're, they're significantly underpaid and undervalued. So I'm hoping maybe that we might see you know, some real changes to the value and the financial value we give to some of those professions uh, that we've, you know, possibly taken for granted. So, so I don't know the answer. I don't have a crystal ball. You know, it's 50-50, I think. But, but it is up to each. I mean, every one of us can play a role in that. And every one of us has a choice to think, do we want to use this as an opportunity to be, uh, to be more kind, more compassionate, more thoughtful, uh, to spend more time on family and friends and relationships or... Are we just going to race back into that busy, 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 you know, earn more, achieve more, et cetera? Um, and they're not entirely mutually uh, you know, exclusive, um, but it's a matter of balance. And I guess each of us can sort of tip that balance even just a little bit the way that we want to. That's a great point to end on, Tim. Thank you so much for giving us your time and fitting us into your busy Zoom schedule. We really, really appreciate it and uh, some really interesting points there and some really interesting stuff that I think will be very helpful for people to listen to and was helpful for me and hopefully you enjoyed it as well and it's good to see you doing better after uh, these last few weeks and uh, I hope you're going to thrive through the rest of this uh, through the rest of this crisis. Oh, thanks so much for having me and um, yeah, keep up the great work. If you got something out of this episode, please leave a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show so we can keep bringing you the content that matters. If you want to stay up to date with what we're doing and get involved, get onto the Youngblood Podcast Community Facebook group and follow Youngblood Podcast on Instagram. And if you're keen to get in touch with me, email youngbloodpodcast, all one word, at hotmail.com. This podcast was produced by the talented Rory Noak at Podbooth. You can check them out at podbooth.com.au. This is Youngblood. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time.